all be fired from your day jobs because if your employers knew that you were more inefficient than the, than the DMV, you would be replaced in a heartbeat. I literally just finished a conference call because I'm having to multitask to be here to, to address you guys. You're a bunch of cowards hiding behind our children as an excuse for keeping schools closed. You think you're some sort of martyrs because of the decisions you're making when the statistics do not lie that the vast majority of the population is not at risk from this virus. The garbage workers who pick up my freaking trash risk their lives every day more than anyone in this school system. Figure it out or get off the podium because you know what? There are people like me and a lot of other people out there who will gladly take your seat and figure it out. It's not a high bar. Raise the freaking bar. Ooh, welcome to your midweek update on the Point B podcast. We're going to get uh, right into this one. We're going to make it real quick. But first, uh, I want to point you over to www.blackriflecoffee.com for the freshest, most American cup of coffee you're going to get. Check out their subscription where you can have monthly, twice monthly, once every other month. Uh, have coffee shipped, direct, shipped, not stripped, shipped directly to your door. Um, no promo code there. But it's just a great company with a great product. So I really encourage you to check them out. Uh, other than that, Cross and Musket Apparel, we'll talk to you about that last episode. Um, that is the t-shirt company that my wife and I own and operate. And uh, we've got a few t-shirt designs on there right now. Until we get the website set up, I'll direct you to Instagram. And it's just Cross and Musket Apparel. And they're very high quality t-shirts. We did not spare any expense as far as that goes. Um, the shirts themselves come directly from the shirt manufacturer. And I had a, a local... Um, guy here in Bernie, Texas that printed them for me. And uh, anything that we that we sell, um, as far as the t-shirts goes, a portion of that goes to uh, whatever charity or even just straight to our, to our church. Um, but we do donate a portion of the, the profits from those t-shirt sales. And then uh, other than that, it goes to help you know, just new equipment, new software, things like that for the podcast. So, uh, that helps us out. We wanted to, to give a very tangible way for you to, to help the podcast out without just asking you to, you know, write us a check, although that would be welcomed as well. But, um, right now, uh, we're both just working on full-time jobs and I am recording this on my lunch breaks and, uh, after work Saturday mornings, things like that. So, um, as soon as my dog shuts the hell up, we will get this one on the road. We've had some, some, Dude, we've had quite a bit of news come out this week um, that I wanted to at least touch on before we just push everything off to Friday, because then what happens is I have too much to talk about on Friday, and then I just end up forgetting everything, <laughs> which is you know a story of my life. First, I'm sure you've heard that audio uh, of that father at a school board meeting um, yelling and telling them like, well, I loved it. Just figure it out. Raise the freaking bar. Uh, I really appreciated that. Um, when I first heard it, I thought, oh man, this guy's crazy. It's just, you know, another right wing kook is how the media is going to play it, which is exactly how they are playing it. But if you listen 
he's not insane. He's not crazy. He's not irate. He is pissed off. He's there's some righteous anger there. I would, I would say, um, this is a guy who he said, you know, I, I had to get off of a teleconference call, um, while he's out there waiting online in line, just to be heard at his school board. He's having to wait so long. He's having to do his work while he's waiting. And what you didn't hear in that clip is his, his children actually talked before him describing how lockdowns and not being able to school are not being able to go to school, how that's affecting them. There was another father who I, I can't remember what um, nationality he was, but his son uh, was not able to speak. So he was actually trying to speak for himself and his son. And then the school board's like, no, you get one minute per person. You, you can't have your second minute. It's the, the level of disdain and, um, just an outward display of disgust from the school board, especially one member of the school board. I'm not sure who she is yet. Um, but the way she, she talked about the people that she was supposedly supposed to be listening to, um, it was a disdain. And that to me really highlights a larger point that we won't get into today. But the fact that we are seeing the separation between the ruling class and the working class. And that is very deliberate. That's very intentional. If you read the Communist Manifesto, that type of language is all over the place. They talk about abolishing values, abolishing social uh, hierarchies and, and uh, economic hierarchies and things like that. They they abolish and eliminate it by just they go ahead and, and, and what, am, what am I trying to say? They abolish the what if, the questions when it comes to economic, social class, things like that. They don't eliminate it. They just take the question out because they say, we are the ruling class. You are the working class and everything we do, it's for you. So don't question it. And if you question it, well, then you're, you're, you're the enemy of the state. Now you are a domestic terrorist. And we're seeing that language already being used. We're, we've heard the term over and over and over from Jake Tapper, MAGA terrorists, Trump supporter, domestic terrorists, not separating between the ones who really did enact or really did um, contribute to domestic terrorism on January 6th, not distinguishing between that select few and the tens of thousands of people that packed DC on January 6th. And that in itself is, to me, it's criminal. It's absolutely criminal because essentially what you're doing is you're, you're assigning a moral validation to anybody who wants to hate somebody else purely because of who they voted for. Now, if you voted for Donald Trump, you are lumped in with a domestic terrorist and they provided all of the moral justification that anybody would need to see somebody like me as a domestic terrorist, as an enemy of the state, as somebody who should be silenced, not has to be, but should be just just out of having a moral conscience, right? You know, I, I'm not completely separate from this argument of whether to open up the schools or not. My wife is a teacher. She works full-time at a, at a charter school here in San Antonio. And it's a great school. And they, they, they did the thing where they split. Some kids were learning remotely. Some were in classroom. Um, so she's teaching kids in classroom. And in leading up to now what we know about COVID where, you know, people like us, young people who are healthy and we work out, things like that. We are not at a very big um, threat level to COVID-19 or from COVID-19. Like older 
you know, health risk people are. Children are virtually immune. I mean, they can catch it, might show some symptoms, but I mean, freaking kids have got runny noses all the time anyway. So most of the time we don't even know that they've got it. So yes, they can spread it, which is why we isolate the sick and the vulnerable. Um, but so we've learned that now, but leading up to learning that, I didn't know, you know, I, I wasn't sure. I've got Donald Trump telling me it's probably not a big deal. I've got Fauci playing both sides of the fence. And then I got the Democrats telling me that everybody's going to die from it, you know, unless I wear 13 masks and never talk to another person in my life. So bouncing back and forth between what's true and what's not, you got both extremes yelling at you all day long. Um, we were scared. We were a little bit hesitant to be like, well, maybe you shouldn't be going to work. Uh, thank God my job sent me home and I've been working for from home really since uh, February, March of last year, uh, going on a year now. It's been crazy. She did not have that option. It was really quit your job or, or what, you know? Um, so in the early stages of COVID, we were taking it extremely seriously and she stayed home for a little bit. And, but now we have data and the data says young, healthy people, kids, you're, you're good. You're fine. You're going to, you're going to get over it. Um, and so now we can isolate people who are at less risk isolate them from the people who are at the highest risk, which we're already doing anyways. I'm already not seeing my grandparents. It's already been over a year since I've seen my grandparents. I've seen my parents a handful of times in this year, and I'm very close to my family. So we're making sacrifices. One of those sacrifices does not have to be one of the greatest economies this world has ever seen. Um, we don't have to sacrifice being able to mingle with each other out in public, go to a restaurant and just see somebody else living their life and feeling some semblance of normalcy. Uh, we don't have to sacrifice that anymore. And yet we're being told not only should we wear a mask, uh, not only he, he's not saying you should wear a mask. He's saying you have to wear a mask. Um, Biden is, and we're, we're just going from there. It's, we're going to see what happens. But um, other than that, uh, I just wanted to quickly point out that there are people in this country standing up and they are telling you exactly what they believe. And it's going to be up to that ruling class to either listen or not. And we'll see what happens because of that. Moving on. We also saw um, the stepping down of Jeff Bezos from Amazon. This is a guy who took Amazon from essentially an online bookstore, you know, with Kindle and things like that, which was great. He took it from that to essentially Walmart in your pocket. I mean, and you can ask my wife and I'm sure you're, I'm not alone in this. You're probably the exact same way. Almost every day I come home, I've got an Amazon package waiting there. And it really, to me, it, it exemplifies the, the culture that we're in, the mentality that we're in as consumers. I want it now. You know, if I go on Amazon and I'm going to buy another pack of highlighters or sticky notes for my desk or whatever it is, um, I immediately turn on the little prime filter and then I further go in and I filter by anything that can be delivered to me next day. And a lot of times I order something at night and the next day I've got it. That's unheard of. That's amazing. That that's groundbreaking. And it's, it, it exemplifies exactly where we're at with technology and with our consumption habits and our spending habits <laughs> too much is what my spending habit is. Um, but anyway, so with Jeff Bezos stepping down, uh, well, he's stepping down as CEO. He's still going to be chairman of the board, I believe. So he's not like relinquishing the reins. He's essentially just going to focus on um, big picture stuff. So if you've seen The Office, he's going to be the Michael Scott focusing on big picture. He's relinquishing his CEO duties, uh, excuse me, the CEO duties 
to the gym, uh, which, uh, well, for, what was his name? Andy Jassy is going to be the new CEO. So big picture, Jeff Bezos, Andy Jassy day to day. And that's going to free Jeff Bezos up to innovate further and, and essentially just cement Amazon as where we spend all of our money now. Um, so that that's where we're at with that. Um, but the, the, uh, another side note to that is Mark Zuckerberg is actually the only founding um, CEO of a big tech company that is still CEO, which is uh, notable. I'm not sure why, but I, I felt like I had to note that. So we will call it notable. Uh, what else happened this week? Of course, GameStop. Um, we saw the the Reddit group on, on uh, the group on Reddit kind of collude to manipulate GameStop stocks essentially to screw these hedge fund managers that have been shorting. So I'm going to try to, I'm still kind of learning some of the ins and outs of this as far as how to formulate an opinion about what happened, but what actually happened, um, GameStop stock was naturally declining. Of course. I mean, when was the last time you went to a GameStop? Um, everybody's buying games online now. Uh, so the stock was obviously devaluing massively. Everybody was assuming that it was going to go down, I guess, as far as down as it can go. Um, and so what that brings in the investment world is it brings the opportunity to short sell a stock. So I'm going to, instead of trying to explain it to you myself, I'm going to read to you from Investopedia, which is what is a short sell? So this is quoting investopedia.com. In short selling, a position is opened by borrowing shares of a stock or other asset that the investor believes will decrease in value by a set future date, the expiration date. The investor then sells these borrowed shares to buyers willing to pay the current market price. Before the borrowed shares must be returned, the trader is betting that the price will continue to decline and then they can actually purchase them at a lower cost. So they're at a certain price now. You borrow that share, that stock. You don't own it. You borrow it. Sell it to some other chump at the current market price. You're betting that at the expiration date of this deal that the price is going to be lower. So you're going to buy the stock at a much lower rate. The risk, quoting again, the risk of loss on a short sale is theoretically unlimited since the price of any asset can climb to infinity. So on your on your short side, on your low value side, your limit is zero. On your high side, the stock value is theoretically infinity, has as high as it can go based off of the current market rate. So what happened, all these hedge funds had had essentially borrowed more shares in GameStop than exist. And they were short selling and short selling and they're just cashing in because they know GameStop, it's not coming back. You know, it's like it's like investing in Hollywood uh, video. It's not coming back. So then what Reddit did is they said, well, hey, let's screw these guys. Let's, let's bump the price of GameStop up. Let's start sh- share, uh, buying and selling amongst each other ramp up the price. So then what happens is on that part where the investor was assuming the price would go lower and then they would buy that share back at a lower price. Now the price is from like $20 to over 300, but they're still locked into buying that share at that set future price at that expiration date. So now instead of selling a borrowed share at $5 and then that 
share decreasing to $1, so they've made that $4. Instead, it went from that low price to an astronomical high price. They lost billions of dollars. So what does that bring us to? There's going to be new legislation. I know everybody knows that this is going to happen. Um, They're calling this market manipulation, which let's be real is nothing new. Um, It's, it's a known fact that if you're a day trader and you're following Fox business for your investment news, you are not what would be called investment savvy. You're behind if you're following Fox business, because by the time the little talking head has made it to Fox business, all the trades that should be made off of what he's about to say have already happened. And you can call it insider trading, you can call it whatever you want, but there are people who are close to the news where they hear the news first and act on it. And then there's the other side of market manipulation where they say, well, if I go on Fox Business and say this, the price is going to increase. So I'm going to buy now on the low side, say what I have to say, price is going to increase, and then I can sell. Or, I, or I've got some extremely undervalued stocks in my portfolio. So there's there's all these games going on. And that last little quote that I read you from Investopedia about the risk of doing a short sale, the risk of loss on a short sale is theoretically unlimited. That is something that these hedge fund managers know. They're not stupid. They know. But what did they do? They thought, well, we're the ones in control. We're the ones, you know, this is how the market works. Nobody would come in here and buy GameStop stocks except somebody did. And now they're pissed off and crying to mommy. And it's, it's kind of hilarious. Um, but what's going to end up happening is Congress is going to go and essentially bail these guys out. You already saw Robinhood cut off trading on their application. So if you're, if you're, you're an insider, you're in wall street and you're an actual trader, Oh, you're allowed to do whatever you want. But if you're, are you're just a, a couch trader that they're calling people like us now, couch traders who have these stimulus checks, and we got some extra cash. We're sitting on our couch anyways. Why not get an app and start trading stocks, even if it's a dollar at a time? I mean, that was the ultimate goal of Robinhood was to bring trading down to the average American. But then what happened is the average American won. And now the average American is going to get kicked out. Um, so we're, we're going to see some interesting stuff there. I am honestly not exactly sure where I, I line up as far as the Reddit guys. did. Were they correct? What, is what they did legal? Uh, technically, yes. Is it? Uh, was it the right thing to do? I still don't know. It made me feel good. But then I started seeing all the memes of Bane from uh, The Dark Knight who is sitting or he's, he's what is it? He's uh, essentially hijacked. Um, Wall Street, the, uh, oh shoot, what's it called? Anyways, where all the traders are at, and I'm I'm apparently blanking on all the words that I actually need today. Um, but he's in there and they're saying, you know, why, why are you, why are you here? There's no money here. And he says, well, then why are you here? Or the, the, the trader said, there's no money here to, for you to steal. And then Bane says, well, then why are you here? So I started seeing that and I'm like, just because something feels good doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do, especially in the long run. And I think we're going to see some retribution from this little rebellion that Reddit uh, successfully pulled off. We're going to see some legislation now that's going to be another barrier to entry for the average couch trader like myself. Um, so I'm not sure what's going to happen, but now you're 
essentially caught up. Uh, oh, next. Uh, we still have, what is it, 5,000 National Guard troops in D.C. They're supposed to stay there until March, according to this Washington Examiner article that I saw. Um, has that ever happened before? I mean, when was the last time I saw there's a hill, there's, you know, Capitol Hill. And when it snows, kids would go and snow sled down it. You've seen the pictures of Trump with the sledders and uh, every president taking pictures with them because it looks good. And that's not happening this year because there's still a freaking fence or a wall. Um, I guess it really is more of a fence, but it's unscalable. And, it, you know, it's weird. I thought walls and fences on borders didn't work, but apparently they work. They, they only guard what you actually care about. And if it's just people living on the southern border, ah, screw them. But when it's our capital, oh, put a wall up fast. You saw how fast they built that thing. It's unbelievable. And so what I've been hearing is that these National Guard troops are, of course, you know, each state has a National uh, Guard group, whatever you want to call it. Um, And so then they send their National Guard troops to the emergency areas. So there, I think there's National Guard from Florida. Um, I'm not sure if Texas, I think Texas has some there. Uh, and so it's up to the governors to bring them back. And so I'm wondering if that's going to happen. Uh, what, what are the repercussions of that? You know, if the federal government says we need these troops here and then the states say, no, we want our troops back. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, moving on. Uh, I won't jump into the Great Reset. I'm sure you're all tired of hearing about it. Um, but there will be a jingle coming up, you know. What have we learned this week on the Great Reset? And then some little jingle. That's going to be fun. So I'll figure that out. But uh, right now, uh, I haven't learned anything major. Uh, What I will say is I bought a book, and I will talk to you about this. Um, Sorry, I've got a uh, 40 caliber pistol. I've got the Communist Manifesto. And then this book, uh, COVID-19, The Great Reset by Klaus Schwab. Who is Klaus Schwab? I might have mentioned him last episode. Uh, Sorry, I'm, I'm... I got so much crap on my desk here. Um, He is the guy over at the World Economic Forum, which are the ones who are pushing for this great reset to happen, this global reset to create not equality. You're you're not going to hear the word equality from these people, and you're not even going to hear it from the Democrats anymore, at least not the the ones who are in the know. You're going to start hearing the word equity. And I heard a really good explanation of this uh, on the Glenn Beck show of what the difference is between equality and equity. The way it's, it can be described is equality would be if you've got three people trying to see the same view, but there's a fence in the way. Equality would be to bring the fence down so everybody can see. Um, I'm butchering this. I'm so sorry. Equity would essentially give everybody a boost up over the fence, but the boost would be different. So the tallest person gets the smallest boost. The middle guy gets the middle boost. And then the shortest person gets the highest boost. So they all three get the same view. It's a terrible way to explain it. They explained it so much better on the radio. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to go fast here. Uh, and so the difference being equality is the equality of opportunity. We, we can all use the same resources. I have access to the same internet as you, things like that. Equity would be not necessarily providing me, um, keeping me down, but it's almost like giving a handicap to the ones who are there saying who do not have the equality of equity. Uh, so it's, it's like two professional bowlers 
bowling on two lanes side by side, but one bowler has the bumpers up and every single time he throws it, there's a little magnet guide that guides him to a strike. And the other guy has to just play the game the, may, the way that the game was meant to be played. Uh, that's probably a better metaphor. Get out of here, Glenn Beck. Um, <laughs> so haven't necessarily learned anything new as far as Great Reset goes, but what I can tell you is I've heard some disturbing news from Coca-Cola, who's already starting to base their legal uh, decisions as far as relationships with vendors, legal vendors, on those legal companies' social footprint commitment to inclusion and diversity. Uh, and so what you're going to see is, is Coca-Cola is not just Coke. Coca-Cola is Powerade. It is vitamin water. It's all these massive, massive brands out there. It's very hard. If you wanted to cut Coca-Cola out of your life, no more Topo Chico, no more, of course, Coke, no more vitamin water, Powerade, um, golden leaf tea. There, there's so many out there it would be almost impossible to just not have a Coca-Cola footprint in your life. Um, and so that's what I've been saying. What I've been trying to describe to you is that it doesn't have to be the government telling you what to do. See, these progressives realized if we used government force, Americans are just instinctively going to rebel against that. So what we need to do is take the government out of it, let the government kind of poke and prod where the government's or that the companies should go, but then let the private sector realize we're going to lose our, our gold standing with the government if we don't do these things. So why don't we do it first? And then everybody else is left behind and, Oh, look at us. We're the ones who are monitoring our carbon footprint. We're the ones who are making sure we have at least 13 gays on staff. We're the ones who are making sure, Oh, you're white and you're super smart. You're black and you're not quite as smart. We're going to hire the black guy because he's black. So Basically, it's a kick in the nads to Martin Luther King Jr., where he says, you know, I don't want to be judged based on the color of my skin, but of the content of my character. Well, you know, screw content of character. All we're interested in is genitals and skin color. That's woke America right now. Sad, but true. That's enough great reset. Something else to look at that's going to be game changing is Steven Crowder of the Ladder with Crowder show is suing Facebook. Hashtag Crowder sues Facebook. And essentially because what they're, what they're doing is they're stifling voices. They are, um, how do I say this? When a program comes on Facebook and it doesn't agree with their agenda, with what they want to push as far as social agendas, economic agendas, things like that. We all saw it over the election process. Every now and then, you know, Donald Trump's getting censored and blocked. And then, of course, he got kicked off of Facebook and Twitter. And then we saw Parler, you know, the left has been saying for years, if you don't like Facebook, if you don't like how they censor their private company, go and start your own Facebook. Well, we started Parler. And now that we saw what happened to Parler, they can literally just cause you to cease to exist in a sense. If they can do it to the president, if they can do it to another company like Parler, <laughs> they can do it to you easily. Um, and so then what now what Steven Crowder is doing with his lawyers is they're going to be suing Facebook saying that, yes, you have the right to do these things, to censor and to stifle voices. It's your platform. Of course you have the right, but you can't lie about it. You can't say no, no, we're fair. We're just, oh, we're just trying to make sure that nobody gets the wrong opinion because of fake news. And then they go out and blow up a building or whatever, but that's not what they're doing. They have an agenda and they are enacting policy and they are 
stifling voices. Uh, they are boosting other voices in line with a progressive, semi-socialist, democratic agenda. Democratic is in opposite of Republican, the political party, not the system of government. And so where do we go from there? Well, we'll see what happens with the, with the lawsuit. But we're at this crossroads of, do we continue to do business with the people who aren't honest brokers? And, and that's a tough decision from Coca-Cola to Facebook to Twitter to Apple. You know, I've had to start thinking, man, Apple was one of the first ones to jump on board with Google and Facebook and ban Parler. What does that mean for me? I mean, everything I have is, I've got one, two, three, four, five, five Apple products literally right in front of me. Um, and they're not even to count my wife's one, two, three, four, five, we got probably 15 Apple products that we keep on us at most parts of every day. So how do you just upend your life? based off of a moral leaning? It's it's a tough question. So we're going to leave it there. My goal is to cut this off at 30 minutes and look at that as 29 minutes. So uh, this was your midweek update in the Point B podcast. We'll be back on Friday uh, to really dive deep into some stuff. I'll have some more great reset news as I'm reading this book from Klaus Schwab, which I mentioned in the never actually explained, but it it is this book by Klaus Schwab who is heading up the World Economic Forum. And it's his ideas about how COVID-19 is essentially going to push us over the cliff towards a great reset. And it's got all the language in there that I and many before me have been saying these people, these massive billionaires, these people who really run the world have the, the power and the influence to change the world for better or for worse. Uh, that depends, I guess, on your perspective. They have the power and they feel they have the moral obligation to take the control, take the reins out of the simple people's hands and change the world for what they believe to be the better. And we'll I'll talk about this more on the next episode. It already took up a minute. Uh, with that, as always, be kind to each other, be honest, find a way to help somebody in need, even somebody who's not necessarily in need. They're just not expecting you to do a favor for them. Help them out. Because it's going to come back on you. You know, the tables always turn. My, how the turntables have... Have a great day. (laughs) I'll see you all next time.